Hallelujah. Thank you, Brother Hilton. And um, I'm not going to take a long time tonight. I appreciate your continued prayers. As I told you on Sunday, the doctor said that the only way my voice would get better was to let it rest. And in spite of that, I went ahead and preached Sunday morning. And then I taught yesterday morning at 4 o'clock, and the Holy Ghost moved in, and I fought my way through uh, with a voice that was um, not good at all, but I made my way through it. And then last night, I taught for Bishop Howard's college, and I fought my way through that one too. And all this time I'm supposed to be letting my voice rest. And then this morning got up again. I was up at three and I started teaching at four this morning for another class for the brethren in Africa. By the time I finished that class, my throat was in bad, bad shape. And I have been struggling with it all day. In fact, it's reached a point, uh, and I'm not asking for your pity, I'm just asking for your continued prayers, but it reached a point where I was just uh, in pain, not severe pain, but constant pain, just whether I talked or didn't talk. And uh, in the midst of all that, I spoke with a minister I have a lot of confidence in, and he and I were discussing some things, and before we hung up, he said to me, you don't need to try to preach tonight. <clears throat> and so I said, well, I appreciate that, but we'll see what happens. Um, now, I will tell you tonight that as I prayed, I really felt a direction for the service. And yet at the same time, I feel strongly that for me to try to push ahead is just going to do more damage than good. And I feel like the best thing at this point is for me not to try to teach or preach tonight. And I think all of you understand. And I was thinking as I was standing on the platform, generally when I teach these Zoom classes in Africa, I don't try to teach on Tuesday night anyhow. I usually have one of the others fill in for me. But I didn't do it this time because we'd been in revival for so long. But I, I did pray and I felt a direction for the service and yet I didn't feel like it was right for me to try to teach it. And then I felt like the Lord gave me something that I'm going to just share with you. It's from the book of Exodus chapter 4 and um, this is not a sermon by any stretch of the imagination, nor am I going to uh, even try to teach from this. I just want to show you something I felt like the Lord put on my heart today with regards to why he would give me this message or deal with me about this lesson for tonight and yet not touch my voice and allow me to be able to teach it. And what we find is the story of Moses standing before the burning bush and God said, I'm going to send you down 
you're going to speak to Pharaoh and you're going to speak to the children of Israel and you're going to be my messenger. And Moses began to argue with God and said, Lord, I can't speak. I can't speak. He said, I'm slow of speech was his, his situation, but he said, I can't speak. And God said, God said to Moses about Aaron, this is verse 15, God says to Moses, thou shalt speak unto him, that is unto Aaron, thou shalt speak unto him and put words in his mouth and I will be with thy mouth and with his mouth and will teach you what you shall do. And he shall be thy spokesman unto the people. And he shall be, even he shall be to thee instead of a mouth. Thou shalt be to him instead of God. Now, what I want to say is this, that God made it clear to Moses. All right, Moses, so you can't speak. But here's what I'm going to do. You're still the man I chose. And I'm going to give you the message. And then you take the man that uh, I present to you and you put those words in his mouth and God said I'm going to be with your mouth in other words as you give him the message but I'm going to be with his mouth that he can deliver it the way you would and I really felt like that's what the Lord spoke to me this afternoon and so my brother Nelson had to work late and uh and Brother Goff is out of town. And, and uh, you know, the choice is just ended up pretty slim. I have Kaiser over there. Yeah, I, uh, I'm not going to do this to a young, inexperienced. You're welcome. But I did feel very strongly about Brother Hilton. And it's not just that he was my last choice but I felt it before I even felt this passage. Before I even felt this from Exodus, I felt like God had said, this is the man that I want to relay what I've put on your heart. Hallelujah. And so tonight, Brother Hilton's gonna come back to this pulpit and he's gonna teach my lesson. And I want you to respond to him just like you'd be responding to me. I want you to have the perspective that God gave standing there, Moses before the burning bush. And God said, I'm going to be with your mouth, but I'm also going to be with his mouth. And through this process, I'm going to teach the people what they need to know. I've been anxious to get back into our study of the churches, the seven churches, the book of Revelation. I felt very strongly this afternoon that I needed to go back. We, we were in the middle of teaching on the church of Thyatira and uh, I didn't get to finish that lesson, but I felt very strongly that I needed to go back and yet I don't have the voice to do it. And even as I'm talking to you tonight, again, it's not excruciating, but I'm feeling the pain in my throat as I continue to talk. And so I am going to ask my Aaron tonight and others of you may become that Aaron at some point but tonight this is Aaron 
God has put on my heart. And I believe he's going to speak it with the same anointing and the same unction. That God's going to use him to deliver it as though it was me. If you'll receive it that way, God will deliver it that way. Praise God. I have confidence in this man. I really do. Amen. And I want him to come tonight. And uh, I, I will say this, church. Please understand. Understand my situation and be patient with me. And I'm going to try to let my voice rest Wednesday, Thursday, and all day Friday so that I can teach the class on Friday night. So please, if you feel like there's something you got to discuss with me, try email or text or teams and let my voice rest. And I appreciate it very, very much. Amen. Brother Hilton, we love you. I want you to come back and I want you to deliver what God has put on my heart tonight. Amen. God bless you. Praise the Lord, church. <clears throat> you know, it's kind of interesting. I uh, get through teaching on Sunday night about grace. And the Lord puts me in a position uh, where, uh, well, I didn't think about it until just a few moments ago while you were talking. And, um, you know, this is obviously a different position, uh, you know, different deal for me to be in. But I believe the Lord will give me grace tonight to to relay to you what the Lord has placed on pastor's heart and also on my heart this afternoon as I began to study and, and work through these notes. I, uh, I kind of transcribed them. Now, the last time, I've only done this one time before, and the last time I just took his notes as they were. And I'll be honest, <clears throat> he thinks on a different level than I do. And so his notes or in a different format. <laughs> uh, so what I did is I worked through his notes and almost verbatim um, transcribed them into, only really just shifted them into a different format uh, so that way I can um, disseminate that to the church tonight in a more understandable way. So if you have your Bibles, let's open to Revelation chapter 1. <clears throat> and of course, as Pastor mentioned, we will be looking at the uh, series of lessons that has been um, touched on, I believe, began in June, maybe May. I know the last lesson was in July. I checked that. That was in the first part of Thyatira. The first lesson on Thyatira was July 29th, <clears throat> which was really right in the middle of revival. We just had a little hiatus there in and Pastor came in and began the lesson on Thyatira, and then um, revival picked up for three more months, and and uh, we are where we are right now. If you have your Bibles open to Revelation 1, say amen. <clears throat> we'll start with verse 11. The Bible says, saying, I am Alpha and Omega, the first and the last, What and what thou seest, Write in a book and send it unto the seven churches which are in Asia, unto Ephesus, and unto Smyrna, and unto Pergamos, and unto Thyatira, and unto Sardis, and unto Philadelphia, and unto Laodicea. 
Then we'll skip down to verse 19 and 20. It says, Write the things which thou hast seen, and the things which are, and the things which shall be hereafter. The things which are, and the things which shall be hereafter. The master of the seven stars, the mystery of the seven stars, which thou sawest in my right hand, and the seven golden candlesticks. We'll talk about each of these things in just a moment, kind of refresh your memory. The seven stars are the angels of the seven churches, and the seven candlesticks, which thou sawest, are the seven churches. Before we begin reviewing the previous lesson, I would like to ask each of the church members to just lay down your Bibles and ask the Lord not only to anoint your ears to hear and to understand, but also uh, anoint my voice, my lips, to be able to convey the word of the Lord tonight. Thank you, Jesus, for your presence in this place. I'm asking you, God. Amen, amen, amen. <clears throat> you can be seated. Now, I have a question, Pastor. What happens when the mouth also has voice issues? <laughs> I don't know what's going on. I just, like, just started talking, and my voice just started being goofy. So, I apologize. Yeah, apparently. We've got a double portion of Pastor Spirit over here. Um, uh, we'll begin with just a brief review, probably not nearly as extensive or in-depth as you're used to when we begin reviewing a lesson with Pastor. Um, mine will certainly be more succinct and to the respective points. I mean, when John wrote about these seven churches, there were seven literal churches, literal locations in Asia. According to verse 19, what was written here covered the things which are and the things which shall be. So things which are indicate that these are indeed literal churches. According to verse 20, the Bible states that the seven stars, we just read that a moment ago, are the angels, and that word angel means messenger, which signifies the pastor of that specific assembly. We also see in verse 20 that the seven candlesticks are the seven churches. The Bible says that pretty clearly in verse 20. Of course, we know that seven is the number of perfection. God chose to address this particular group of churches for a specific reason. And the study of the positives and the negatives addressed within each of these churches would give us an idea of God's concept of the perfect church. I don't know about you, but as pastor has gone through the, um, the first three churches and even began working through uh, the church of Thyatira, Thyatira um, the Lord has given revelation after revelation to me, understanding, realization 
of the things that God was trying to work into those assemblies or work out of those assemblies. And certainly as you heard or received those lessons that you would recognize things in your own life that you could work into or work out of, amen, to build, amen, the perfect church in the true church. Amen. We are a part of the true church tonight. And we would like to, amen, become what God, amen, has in concept of a perfect church. Amen. Pastor has mentioned a number of times that, that one is the number for God, six is the number for man, and seven is where God meets man. Amen. One plus six equals seven. It takes, uh, takes, the seven is where God meets man. Identifying the good and the bad in these churches, in these seven churches, will help us become what God wants us to be. Amen. How many want to become what God wants you to be? Amen. I have no doubt about that. There's been such a good spirit, even now. Amen. I feel the spirit of the Lord in this service tonight. I believe God's going to help us. I believe God is going to speak to each of us and even to me. Amen. As you read through these letters in the book of Revelation, you will perhaps identify a pattern, amen, with regard to these churches. Firstly, each letter contains either a commendation or a condemnation. Amen. He, they will receive either some form of praise or some form of correction. They were either reprimanded or, um, or, or praised. In, in most instances, the letter contained both commendation and condemnation. Only one of the seven churches contained no com- commendation, and there were two of the seven that contained, contained no condemnation. Um, each letter contains either a promise or a threat, um, and many contain both. The Lord will generally make, and these, and again, I'm just kind of hitting some of the highlights as we kind of go through, and I know some of you may remember this, but for those of us, and I said us, that uh, may need a refresher, amen, I will just touch on these points. The Lord will generally make some references that is directly connected to the name of the church. And um, uh, each letter contains the same plea. He that hath an ear, let him hear what this, the Spirit says to the churches. I mean, we hear, we read that statement at the end of each letter. Also note that each letter was addressed to the churches, plural, and uh, not just that individual church to which the letter was sent. In other words, uh, the letter that was sent to the church in Thyatira also applied to Ephesus, Smyrna, and each of those others, but by extension, us as well. And so the, the, the word, the fact that the, each letter was addressed to the churches, um, we, can, we can understand that those also apply to us. So far, we have covered the church at Ephesus, in Smyrna, and Pergamos. And we began part one of Thyatira back in July. Tonight we'll begin with part two and continue. So let's review some of the information that we discovered about Thyatira. The city of Thyatira was the smallest and least important of the seven cities addressed, at least from a political perspective. Um, it was, but it was also a notable commercial and business center. 
there were more guilds there, or um, that guild would be more commonly or more readily understood by us as sort of like a union or a trade organization. So these, the, there were a number of those guilds known in Thyatira. There were more of those guilds known in Thyatira than any other contemporary city in Asia. And each of these guilds had their own sponsor god. So, um, I, I, I'll digress here just for a moment. But um, I have taken carnal glances at those, uh, those, let me just try to make sure I'm not <laughs> digging myself into a hole here, at those devices that are hung on the walls at restaurants. Yeah, <clears throat> I think some of you may be picking up what I'm laying down here. The, uh, they're also known as televisions. And, and on those current devices, especially now, um, there's a, a series of events that are occurring. Those are known as football games. And on those football games, they have sponsors. So I just thought it was interesting that, that um, idolatry was used to sponsor these corporate and commercial uh, organizations. And the same way that, um, you know, these football and other sport events are sponsoring some, some well-known commercial and industrial businesses in the nation of America. I'll just leave that as right there, and you guys can sort of interpret that however you want to. Um, but uh, so these guilds had their sponsor gods, and our companies nowadays kind of have their own little sponsor uh, gods, for lack of a better term, or football teams, or whatever you want to call them. Anyway, um, these guilds had mandatory social events, which had sensual dancing. Seen some, yeah, that's exactly what I was thinking, Pastor. Kind of like cheerleaders. I should let, oh, I was going to say I should let you teach this, but we can't let you. <laughs> uh, sensual dancing and uh, <clears throat> drunkenness. And orgies and things in which Christians could not, or at least should not participate, or at the very least should not participate, if amen and amen. Refusal to participate, however, meant economic ruin or hardship. And so let's, let's um, start at uh, just reading the letter to Thyatira again. Just kind of remember what it was that Jesus said to the angel at the church in Thyatira. Revelation chapter 2, verse 18 through 29. And uh, just know that that's back there. Unto the angel of the church in Thyatira write, These things saith the Son of God, who hath his eyes like unto a flame of fire, and his feet are like fine brass. I know thy works. Know thy works and charity and service, and faith, and thy patience. And he actually reiterates, and he goes, and I know thy works. The last to be more than the first. Notwithstanding, I have a few things against thee, because thou sufferest the, that woman Jezebel, which calleth herself a prophetess, to teach and to seduce my servants to commit fornication. And to eat things sacrificed unto idols. 
And I gave her space to repent of her fornication, and she repented not. But I will cast her into a bed. And then that commit adultery with her into great tribulation, except they repent of their deeds. I will kill her children with death, and all the churches shall know that I am he which searcheth the reins and the hearts. And I will give unto every one of you according to your works. But unto you I say, and unto the rest in Thyatira, as many as have not this doctrine, and which have not known, uh, and which have not known the depths of Satan as they speak, I will put upon you known none other burden. But that which ye have already hold fast, uh, uh, but that which ye, ye have already hold fast till I come, and he that overcometh and keepeth my works unto the end. To him will I give power over the nations, and he shall rule them with a rod of iron, as the vessel of a potter shall they be broken to shivers, even as I received of my father. And I will give him the morning star. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. Amen. And uh, I'm just going to do a quick check, make sure everybody's still awake. Okay, we're still awake. Amen. Scholars are divided on the meaning of the name of the city. Pastor mentioned this. I remember Pastor talking about this in the first part of this lesson. Uh, the first, uh, some, some of those um, researchers determined that it could mean a perfume. So the word Thyatira could mean a perfume. And alternatively could also mean a continual sacrifice. It is difficult to determine which of these was intended based on the content of the letter. For instance, a perfume could easily relate to the spirit of Jezebel, which was working to seduce the Lord's servants. And the continual sacrifice definition might be a reference to a lifestyle that continues to crucify the Son of God. Amen. As was, as was the case in Pergamos, the way the Lord described himself to the church in Thyatira is significant. Let's read in Revelation chapter 2, verse 18. The Bible says, Unto the angel of the church in Thyatira write, These things saith the Son of God. And then he gives a little brief description of himself. Who hath eyes like unto a flame of fire, and his feet are like fine brass. Why are these two descriptions important? I'm going to try to help you understand why. The Lord identified himself as having eyes like unto a flame of fire. This could signify that he was able to both pierce the darkness like a burning torch, exposing everything that was hidden in Thyatira, and at the same time devour those impurities that were revealed by the flame. Amen. Not just a single unilateral amen, uh, function, but was all, not only just exposing amen, those impurities, but was also perhaps devouring those impurities and, and cleaning up that city in Thyatira. Indeed, an opening of the letter, at the opening of the letter, the Lord addressed the church with certain commendations, which we'll talk about in just a moment. But this caused the church to appear as simply a good church. But as you begin to read through the letter, you'll understand amen, that there was something 
more serious under the first layer. His piercing vision could go beyond that layer, the outward facade, and expose a hidden, more corrupted structure. Amen. He would not only expose those hidden impurities, though. I mean, God isn't one to just tell us what we're doing wrong, but He gives us a solution. He gives us resolution. He gives us direction and helps us, amen, cure cure those impurities. Amen. Amen. He was not only, His goal was not solely, amen, to let them know how terrible they were, but to expose those things indeed but also to correct those things. Amen. He goes on to describe himself as having feet like fine brass. Amen. Just like gold is used throughout the word of God to symbolize deity throughout scriptures, brass is consistently used as a symbol of judgment. Think about the brazen Laver in the Old Testament, amen, where the, uh, the priests would go to wash their hands, amen. That, uh, and um, uh, for the Lord to say that if he were like fine brass was to say that he was ready to walk in judgment in the midst of the church, perhaps even to trample them if necessary, amen. So, so these two descriptions were really identifying for the church in Thyatira the state in which God was addressing them. That he was not just writing them a letter flippantly, but he was approaching them with a graveness, with some gravity, amen, was trying to let them know, hey, I mean business when I'm talking to you tonight. And so, uh, talking to you as, as, as the church in Thyatira. And Revelation chapter 2, verse 19, we could pick up, goes, I know thy works. This is how... In that state, in that mode, he said, I know your works. I know your charity. I know your service. I know your faith and your patience. And then he goes again, I know thy works. And the last to be more than the first. In spite of the Lord's opening warning, he immediately identifies these good characteristics in the church. And then they were loving workers. They were faithful and patient servants. I mean, where Ephesus had left their first love, Thyatira, amen, had, uh, Thyatira was known and commended for their love. This love was proven by the fact that they were willing to be involved so much in their service, serving others. And Jesus also mentioned that he knew their faith. I want to make a distinction here that it's important to understand that that faith uh, can have two different meanings that, uh, you know, and and this is not something that you don't know. I'm just kind of bringing it to your attention so that way we can make a point with it. But it's important to know that faith that's referred to in this passage of Scripture is not talking about their doctrinal beliefs, the, the tenets of their faith. But the faith that is used here is identifying their trust in God, their willingness uh, to believe in God. In fact, they were, they were straying from their doctrinal foundation. As we'll, we'll talk about that in just a moment. But, but, but God commended them, not for their doctrinal state, but for their faith, for their trust in Him. 
which was demonstrated through their service and patience and, and so on. Um, these were folks who were not begrudging their duties. They were not, they were not um, unwillingly performing their duties, but they were commended for their patience as they served the Lord. And, uh, but I want you to pay special attention back to the end of verse 19, where the Bible says, Know your works and charity and service and faith and thy patience and thy works, and the last to be more than the first. He said, the problem at Thyatira was not that you were not willing to work. I know your works. I know your charity. I, I'm not concerned about your willingness to work. The problem there at Thyatira was that they were more interested in serving people than they were interested in serving God. Amen. They're more interested in serving people than they were in serving the one that created them. And if you take a look and compare Thyatira to a lot of the denominal churches today, you can see really that same message being pro propagated repeatedly. Think of, they, they, they talk about just love, that you ought to love everybody. You ought to, you ought to, let's, let's get the food bank together. Let's do all these, let's do all these good things. It's all about trying to uh, really impact your community in a meaningful way. And I'm not preaching against that. That's certainly, I mean, founded in scripture. The Bible talks about, uh, Jesus said that this is how they're going to know that you're my disciples, by your love one for another. So I'm not taking away from that. But we have to find a balance here. We have to balance out our good deeds, Sister Haley, with, with our love for God. We have to make sure that the things that we're doing, amen, are not just self-serving and, and patting ourselves on the back, but they are also accomplishing the perfect will of God. That we are furthering the kingdom of God. That we're not just telling somebody and helping them feel good about themselves, but we're also teaching them the difference between truth and the difference between error. Amen. Showing them what it means to be saved. Hallelujah. I feel the Holy Ghost. Amen. What I'm saying. Amen. We have a distinct obligation not only to believe in God. Amen. And to trust Him. Amen. And to carry out those works that we believe are so important and necessary. Amen. But we have to balance those things out with the word of truth. And ensure that the things that we do, we do in truth. Amen. Hallelujah. Nevertheless, amen, this, the, the, the denominal churches, uh, full of those kinds of churches, propagating that. And, um, but, but these churches, those same denominal churches that promote, amen, a loving, a loving people and trusting God. Again, I'm not taking away from that. But they are forsaking the, in, those doctrines, Brother Josh, that are so important. Amen. Apostle Paul talked to Timothy and said, hey, you need to be aware of this. This is going to happen one day. And then he, amen. And, and so we need to be aware of it. We need to uh, take notice and, and ensure that that doesn't happen to us. Yes, I agree. We ought to love everybody. But we also ought to show them the truth through that love. 
I mean, you can love somebody. You can, you can love your child. Amen. You can tell me you love your child all you want to, but if you let them play around in the street and get hit by a car, that doesn't tell me that you really love them. Amen. That's, that's just, that's just, uh, that's, that's a, uh, th- th- it's just ignorance. Amen. Amen. We want to, we do want to love them, but and, and, and I've got some extra scriptures that I threw in here, but I'll go ahead and script over there because I did not give them to Sister, um, Sister Jasmine. But I will just quote one. If you love me, keep my commandments. That, that is a part of what Jesus taught. Amen. If, if you do really love him, if you do truly have faith in God, faith in God is more than just an outward expression. Amen. But it is an obedience to his word. Amen. Amen. Revelation chapter 20. Let's move on just a little bit. And I know I have 15 minutes. Uh, I don't even. Are we? um, I don't even know if we're out of the review here. (laughs) Yeah. Double portion, brother Nelson. Hey, you get up here and try this. All right, let's hurry up. Revelation chapter 2, verse 20, talking about um, he be, oh, we're getting ready to be, see, I put it right here. We're getting ready to begin this week's lesson. Revelation chapter 2, verse 20, let's, let's read that uh, again. Notwithstanding, I have a few things against thee, because thou hast, uh, thou sufferest that woman Jezebel, which calleth herself a prophetess, to teach and to seduce my Servants to commit fornication and to eat things sacrificed unto idols. The church at Thyatira suffered the woman that was called Jezebel. In other words, they permitted or tolerated that spirit. It's interesting to notice the contrast between the church of Thyatira and Ephesus. Ephesus detected false doctrine and removed it. They, They recognized the false doctrine and was... And seized upon that moment, corrected it. But they didn't have love. Thyatira was the exact opposite. They had lots of love. But they let the false doctrine continue. Church, this just reemphasizes the point that we just made. It's absolutely critical. If we're going to become that, that church that God wants us to be, we need a balance here. <clears throat> We need to be able to balance that love with the doctrine. I mean, Matthew Henry observed that Jezebel, Jezebel, Jezebel was a persecutor of the prophets of the Lord and a, gate, and a great patroness of idolaters and false prophets. First Kings chapter 18 verse 4 says, For it was so when Jezebel cut off the prophets of the Lord that Obadiah took an hundred prophets and hid them by fifty in a cave and fed them with bread and water. Jezebel was a symbol, is still a symbol, and represents sensuality and a seducing influence. She also represents a spirit of compromise, promoting the concept that the people of God doesn't have to be different, but should indulge in the sinful pleasures of the world. I mean, I can... As I'm saying that, I'm, I can think of three or four different denominal churches, amen, that have, that have adopted that feeling. We're just try, they just try to get as close 
to the world as they can without becoming the world. I mean, I don't know about you, but I don't want to get anywhere near where that world, where the world is living. I don't want to look like the world. I don't want to talk like the world. I don't want to, I don't want when somebody comes in here out of the world, they just feel like they went into another club. They just went into another, they want to, I want somebody, when they come into the house of the living God, they feel a security. They feel a holiness. They feel a distinction. When they move into the house of God, there's a holiness here. And I believe that's exactly what God wants his perfect church to feel like. Amen. Hallelujah. First Kings 18 and 18 through 19 says, He answered, I have not troubled Israel, but thou and thy father's house, in that ye have forsaken the commandments of the Lord. Wow. Interesting. When Jezebel's uh, in the palace, they forsake the commandments of the Lord. And thou hast followed Balaam, and goes on to say, Now therefore send and gather to me all Israel unto Mount Carmel, and the prophets of Baal, 450, and the prophets of the groves, 400, which eat at Jezebel's table. Amen. She not only was a, promoted a spirit of compromise in the state of Israel, not only did she promote sensuality and fornication and was a seducing amen, attitude in the, in the nation of Israel, but she also was an attack, conducted attacks on those prophets of God. Amen. I'll just say this. This is not in pastor's notes or in my version of those notes. But as soon as you begin to adopt those spirits of compromise, it's not a far cry from there when you start to uh, criticize those who are in authority. Why don't they have such an understanding spirit? Why don't they, why don't they, have, why don't they understand what I'm going through? Amen. That, that is... That is not, it's not too far. In fact, I would say uh, in the Bible, as was demonstrated through uh, the life of Jezebel, when she introduced those false gods and idolatry and, and all those other things into the nation of Israel, she beca- uh, began to attack, I mean, the false, uh, they began to attack the prophets of God, the true prophets of God, and introduced false prophets. She also represented the spirit of sensuality, giving Uh, into the whims of the flesh and seducing others to do so as well. When you start attacking the man of God and start losing that authority in your life and those commandments from the word of God, friend, it's not long until you start neglecting, amen, to obey the word of God. I mean, you don't have any concern about it. It's all about me. It's all about how I feel. It's all about my flesh and, and following the whims of my will. I mean, that is, that's where Jezebel will take, amen, the spirit of Jezebel will take a church. Second Kings chapter 9, verse 30, when Jehu came to Jezreel, Jezebel heard of it, and she painted her face and tired her head and looked out the window. God associated this activity amen, with harlotry. Jeremiah chapter 4, verse 30, and when thou art spoiled, what wilt thou do? Though thou clothest thyself with crimson, Though thou deckest thee with ornaments of gold, though thou rentest thy face with painting, in vain shalt thou make thyself fair. 
Thy lovers will despise thee. They will seek thy life. Amen. These activities that Jezebel conducted herself in, I mean, painting of her face, sitting in the, uh, tiring her hair, looking out the window, all that jewelry Pastor mentioned, those ornaments of gold. Uh, Jeremiah was saying, you know what? She's nothing different than just a harlot. Amen. Amen. The Bible says a word to the wise is sufficient, so I'll leave it there. Evidently, the spirit with, was working in the church of Thyatira, uh, the spirit of Jezebel, that spirit was working in the church in Thyatira, convincing people that it was all right to participate in pagan rituals. After all, the guilds were powerful, and the people's livelihood would suffer if they refused to participate. Power, prominence, and prestige would accompany those who simply tolerated wickedness, the wickedness of those pagan people. Jezebel's promotion of sensuality and compromise was similar in many ways to the doctrine of Balaam and the doctrine of the Nicolaitans, which we have already talked about. But there was one major difference. Jezebel not only refused to practice separation, she openly fought against the messengers of separation. I'll... I'll uh, uh, she, she not only practiced Baal worship, she killed those who stood against Baal worship. Jezebel is not satisfied just becoming like the world herself. Rather, she actively recruits others to join her and does everything in her power to destroy those that stand against her. Yeah, she posts on Facebook, Pastor said, and spreads it around. <laughs> so she's not only painting her face, putting on the jewelry, and looking out the window observing everybody's business, but she's also posting on Facebook, amen, about, those, about what she's observing through the window, amen. I'm just, I'm just here to tell you, and I know that some of this may be a little bit, I, I kind of hit this a number of times in a number of different ways, but I want to make sure that it's clear, amen, that as, as, we, as we attempt as a church, as a local church here in Olathe to accomplish what God has called us to become, amen, we can identify spirit of Jezebel and um, because this was something that was obviously of grave concern for the Lord as he addressed this the church in Thyatira first Kings 18 and 4 we read this let's read this one more time for it was so when Jezebel cut off the prophets of the Lord that Obadiah took an hundred prophets and hid them by 50 in a cave and fed them with bread and water the word cut off might seem like it just means to uh uh, you know, detach yourself from them or detach them from you. But the word actually means to kill. Jezebel would kill the prophets of the Lord. Uh, and I know I just mentioned it, but I, it, it bears repeating. Just re I just want to remind you that what the Lord had against that tire was that they tolerated this spirit of Jezebel and that the spirit of Jezebel was willing to cut off those prophets, to kill those prophets. And um, just a fair warning to the church, the true, the church, the true church in Olathe. Um, be careful of those friends who tolerate those who are um, talking bad about preachers. Having them for dinner and, ha and, and killing them with their words. It's, it's absolutely critical that, that you don't allow those kinds of attitudes in your life because 
as we just talked about, it's, it's contagious. That attitude will spread. Amen. And before you know it, it's not just on you, but it's in your family. Amen. It's in your children. Hallelujah. I, I, just, I just don't want to be anything like this spirit. Amen. Revelations chapter 2 verse 20. We'll read again. Notwithstanding, I have a few things against thee, because thou sufferest that woman Jezebel, who calleth herself a prophetess, to teach and to seduce my servants to commit fornication and to eat things sacrificed unto idols. Don't be like Saul and consent unto the preacher's death. In Acts chapter one or eight, verse one, I'm gonna, for the sake of time, just skip reading that one. The word consenting, um, as we all understand it means to approve together with with others to agree to or to applaud according to Thayer's Greek lexicon thus although he did not physically participate so when Saul was standing there he was holding the the coats those who were casting the stones towards Stephen at Stephen to kill him again the same spirit the same attitude of Jezebel but he wasn't involved he was just holding the coats and acknowledging that it was happening and not doing anything to stop it. He was just, if you will, riding in the car and hearing them talk about him and wouldn't say anything. He was just the one that was on that thread and, and read it but didn't ask to be removed. Do you understand what I'm saying? That spirit, that attitude of what I'm talking about here. I mean, Paul was consenting. He wasn't necessarily, the responsibility wasn't on him for killing or cutting off the prophet, but he was consenting to that deed. Amen. And so he's providing cover for those that were guilty. Though he never threw one rock, he provided sufficient cover for those who did, allowing them to hide their vile actions. Amen. Though... You don't want the Lord to have somewhat against you for tolerating the spirit of Jezebel. I mean, as vile as she would, God gave her an opportunity to get things right. We read Revelation chapter 2, verse 21. I gave her space to repent of her fornication, and she repented not. And as we'll read in just a moment, he not only gave her that space, but he gave it to those amen, who who were uh, compromising with her spirit. I'm not aware of any situation in which even the most wicked individual who was intent on destroying the ministry was not given an opportunity to make things right. And that was not me stating that. That was a quote from Bishop G.K. Riggin, (laughs) as you can probably uh, imagine. His his statement here in his notes was that he's, and he's been in the ministry, Pastor, almost 50 years. How many? Forty-nine next February. Oh, 48 next February. So 48 next February. So in almost 50 years of ministry, those who, God is a merciful God. He's willing to see us saved. He's not willing to any should bear. He's going to create, amen, a space for us, just like he did for Jezebel, to repent of that spirit and that attitude of, of cutting off ministry. Amen. Amen. Because of, which honestly, if you think about it, is more than he gave to Herod 
And even in that case, he did give him space to repent. Amen. Um, let me just see if I can locate where I'm at here. Because of her refusal to repent, God declared judgment on uh, Jezebel. And not just on her. Let's read in Revelation chapter 2, verse 22. Behold, I will cast her into a bed, and them that commit adultery with her into great tribulation, except they repent of their deeds. So it wasn't just her that they cast into the bed, but them also that commit adultery with her, who are get involved in that sin, that get involved with the things that she's a part of. Except they repent of their deeds, and I will kill her children with death. And all the churches shall know that I am he which searcheth the reins and hearts. And I will give unto every one of you according to your works. And Jezebel's refusal to get right with God also cost her her children. Amen. The, the stands that we take or we don't take will affect future generations. Amen. We are not just affecting ourselves. Amen. Note also that this judgment would not be done in secret. But all the churches would know that I am he which searcheth the reins and the hearts. Furthermore, not uh, note that the Lord directs his remarks to everyone. I will give unto every one of you according to your works. Which was obviously a stern warning to those who were not involved to not get caught up in what was going on. Uh, we're getting close to being finished. I'm just checking here. We've got a few more verses here. Revelation chapter 2, verse 24. But unto you I say, and unto the rest in Thyatira, as many as have not this doctrine, and which have not known the depths of Satan as they speak, I will put upon you none other burden, but that which ye have already hold, uh, but that which ye have already hold fast until I come. The Lord instructed those not taken in by that spirit that they should simply hold fast continue doing what's right we don't get caught up in all that man you, you'll be judged just like the rest of them but you have a hope i mean you just you just keep doing what you're doing just keep living right just keep obeying the commandments of of the word of the lord just continue to live right hold fast I mean, what, the things that you already have. It's, it's interesting to note that the apparent cure for an evil spirit invading a church is for those not taken in to stand firm in their convictions. I mean, that's, that's an interesting thing to note, church. I mean, if you notice some things going on, I mean, at the true church, I mean, don't, don't try to get in what's going on over there. Do I, th listen, just focus on what you're doing. Continue to live for God. Continue to be faithful in serving God. And, and do what's right. The moment that you ask that question, hey, what's going on over there? You open yourself up to be involved. Amen. And it doesn't matter if everybody's doing it. Stand firm. Stand your ground. Do what's right. Amen. Revelation chapter 2, verse 26. This is the closing of the letter, and therefore, we are getting close to the closing of this lesson. Amen. Uh, verse 26 says, And he that overcometh and keepeth my works unto the end, to him will I give power over the nations. And he shall rule them with a rod of iron, as the vessels of a potter shall they be broken to shivers, even as I received of my father. 
He said, I will give power and he shall rule. There are two promises, or, or a promise, I'm sorry, that, that is associated with those that keep my works. He said, I will give power and, I will, and he shall rule. This is not kingdom now or dominion theology, which has become increasingly more popular which teaches that the church is to become so politically powerful that they would begin to govern the world according to the Bible. Rather, it is clearly a promise to the, those who would hold on until the end, and to those who would continue doing what's right, and to those who would take what they already have, amen, and hold fast to that. If they would hold until the end, amen, which, which really this is a reference to the millennial reign the thousand years of peace in which Christ would reign over the earth and the righteous would rule and reign with him. This is the promise for those of us who would continue and to do what's right. You can read in Daniel chapter 7, verse 27. Amen. And uh, let me just see here. And then he also makes not only that promise, but he will, he makes another promise. I will give the morning star. Revelation 2, verse 28, and I will give him the morning star. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. Barnes notes, says this, in the natural sense, the morning star is that bright planet, Venus, which at some seasons of the year appears so beautifully in the east, leading in the morning the, the, harbing, the harbinger, Harbinger of the day. I'm not sure even what that means. Can somebody help me out? What? Oh, the harbinger of the day. Okay. So the leading on the morning. Okay, gotcha. So the, the foretelling of the day, letting you know that the, the, how the day will go. It's one of the most beautiful objects in nature and is susceptible of a great variety of uses for illustration. It appears as the darkness passes away. It is an, it is an indication that the morning is coming. It is intermingled with the first rays of the light of sun. It seems to be a herald to announce the coming of the glorious luminary. It is pledge of the faithfulness of God. And so God is promising that to those who would hold unto the end, that you would uh, have a promise of a glorious day. And uh, you, could, you could really make application with that and talk about amen, the eternal day, which is heaven. Basically, what Jesus is saying is, if you be faithful in the midst of others who are compromising, I will be with you, and I'm going to help you. Revelation 22, verse 16, I, Jesus, have sent mine angel to testify to you these things in the churches. I am the root and the offspring of David, the bright and the morning star. That has always been God's promise to his people. Isaiah 59, verse 19, so shall they fear the name of the Lord from the west, and his glory from the rising of the sun. When the enemy shall come in like a flood, the Spirit of the Lord shall raise up, lift up a standard against them. The greatest thing about eternity is that we will spend it in the presence of God himself. Revelation chapter 2, verse 29, in conclusion of this letter, he states, He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says unto the church. If the church can stand tonight, Amen. He closes the letter to the church in Thyatira with a plea. That don't just let this fall on deaf ears, but pay attention to the details of what's being said. 
Listen, let him hear. Zechariah chapter 7, verse 11 says, But they refused to hearken and pulled away from the shoulder and stopped their ears that they should not hear. I mean, let's let the conclusion of this letter be a warning to us, similar to the way that Zechariah was warning the Israelites that we should not, we should not ignore, was not refuse to hearken what the Spirit of the Lord is saying. I don't know about you, church, and, and, and I, I don't know about you, but I want Amen to take to heart Amen the things that the Lord spoke to the church at Thyatira so that we could become the church that God is trying to make us. Amen. As 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 uh, time goes on, more and more of this, of these spirits that we talked about, spirit of Jezebel, compromise, and uh, and and really the the idolatry of this world that is becoming so so unavoidable that we can't, in many ways, we really can't get away from it. It affects us. It touch. We touch it on, on every side. But if we can maintain the word, the commandment of God's word, as as we've heard it tonight, then we can uh, and hearken unto the word of God, as as He said, and hold on to the end. I mean, such great and precious promises are given to the church. Why don't we lift our hands and ask the Lord, help us to maintain God. Help us to continue to do what's right. Oh, I'm so grateful for the things the Lord has showed us over these past four months and worked through us, worked out of us. God, don't let me get caught back up in that. I want to be careful. I want to hold fast those things that have already been given to I want to hold fast to those very things, God. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost right now. Why don't we lift our hands? I'm not going to ask you.